Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. Welcome in to another edition of Fly the W. This is season one, episode three, and we're calling this one Rivalry Week. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 Score, the radio home for our favorite team, the Chicago Cubs. And as always, I'm joined by my pal, Paul Crawley-Jean. Hey, Paul, having a good week so far? Uh, kind of like the Cubs, a little bit up, a little bit down. Okay, well, it's better than being all down. And let's talk about Cubs and Brewers and that rivalry. Let's start there. When we recorded episode number two, the Cubs and Brewers were just about underway in a day-night doubleheader. So let's talk about game one, which was on Monday. The Cubs fell in that one, seven to six. Crawley, take us through it. How did it go down? Uh, it was it was a brutal game. Um, it was one of those that you had two guys making their debuts and Ethan Small and Matt Swarmer. And the Cubs looked, you know, they out hit Milwaukee 12 to 7. They drew five walks to two, a lot of base runners, uh, but they just couldn't get the big hit to drive them in. Um, watching Matt Swarmer make his debut, he goes six innings, five hits, four runs, but only one of those were earned. And we'll talk about that. One walk and six K. So this kid did enough to help you win the game. Yes, he did do enough to help the Cubs win that ball game. Unfortunately, they didn't win that ball game, and we know that there were a couple of errors that plagued the Cubs in that one. Yeah, in the top of the fourth, the Cubs are up two to one, and uh, Rowdy, Roddy, whatever the guy's name is, Telez, he flies out. Taylor strikes out. Omar Navarro hits a single, but Clint Frazier makes an error in the field that lets Navarez reach second. And then he's going to come around to score. So that's one unearned run. And then in the top of the six, the Cubs are up four to two. And Luis Urias uh, reaches on a throwing error by Patrick Wisdom. Yelich uh, and Telez fly out. And then Tyrone Taylor hits a home run. And now you got a game that's tied at four. So, you know, you lost by one run, uh, but you gave up three unearned runs. And you went two for 17 with runners in scoring position. That's not good enough. Yeah, two for 17, you're, you're not going to be competitive. You're going to lose lots of games. They also left 11 men on base with that two for 17. So that's just not going to be good enough. So that was the first loss of the day, the first loss of the new week. And then came game number two. Yeah, Cubs lose three to one. And again, they out hit the Brewers, this time six to three. But uh, Aaron Ashby uh, was starting for the Brewers. He struck out 12 Cubs. Um, Drew Smiley started the game, but he had to leave after three innings pitch with an oblique injury, which really is not good because that's going to cause, with both Smiley and Miley out, you're going to have decisions that you're going to have to make with this roster. Luckily, uh, Anderson Espinosa, who was called up for the game, he pitched four innings, giving up two runs on two hits with three walks and six Ks but he prevented Ross from burning that bullpen. Yeah, Espinosa bailed them out big time, and for that he got another one-way ticket right back down to the minors following that ball game. Some of the good news from that game, Wilson Contreras homered, so he continues to stay red hot and is just smashing the ball. And Christopher Morrell, the energizer bunny, if you will, at that point had reached base in 13 straight games to start his career. 
So that's something that I think every Cub fan can get on board with. And that is heading out to Wrigley, getting in front of the TV or tuning into 670 the score to hear what Chris Morrell is doing night in and night out for the North Siders. And with that Wilson Contreras home run, that was, they said 420 feet. I talked to the ball Hawks the next day and I can tell you, they told me it was more than that. That went, that went down uh, Kenmore. So that was, that ball was absolutely Wilson has been hitting the heck out of the ball lately. He's been, the exit velocity has been unbelievable. 420 happy feet, as Stoney used to say when he called it on the uh, on the north side. Also in that, after that game, we found out that they had placed Suzuki on the IL, his finger just not right. And, you know, that's, that uh, that allowed Hayward to get called, uh, to be taken off the list and not have to make tough decisions. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but... You know, I was happy for game three on Tuesday, which the Cubs were able to win eight to seven. I was on a bad losing streak, Dustin, like five or six Cubs games in a row without a victory. So I was able to finally dust off my W flag and fly it. Absolutely. That was a fun, that was a fun game, fun night. I was following you on social media from the game. Now where you were sitting a little bit higher on the third base side or those, are those tickets you usually get a hold of or where were you sitting? Who were you sitting with? I was with my friend Kevin, uh, K-Pod, and uh, those are my season tickets. They're in the very first row of the upper deck. So I love I love, because- I love that view. Crawley, I'm telling you, I had season tickets one year. They lost over 100 games. Couldn't <laughs> give the tickets away to save my life after waiting 25 years to finally get them. Those are my absolute favorite seats. But when we went to like try to buy the seats, you had to take f- all four. So it was like on the aisle like five feet from third base front row, which you couldn't split them up. They wanted you to take all four. you. They weren't willing to break it up into two and two. And I just wasn't in a position to get four at that time. Thank goodness. Um, well, you're, you're invited to come with me anytime, Dustin, well, but in this game, yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that, that view look, that view looks awesome. Yeah. I've had it for 22 years. I was one section further towards the foul pole, but now a little bit closer and I just love them. And, and it's fun to watch a game there. And this one in particular, because there were so many ups and downs, uh, the Cubs started off the scoring, but then they were down three to one. And then they were down six to three steel pitched five innings. And he looked decent. It wasn't great. I talked a little bit earlier about Wilson hitting that snot out of the ball lately. This one he hit was uh, it was a basket shot, but it was 116 miles per hour exit velocity off the bat. It was a basket shot, but it, I'm glad it hit the wall basket because that would have put a hole in somebody. Right. Typically, I am not a fan of the baskets. I get the point of the baskets before, but I don't. You, you would have to be so drunk to fall into that basket nowadays that I think it's ridiculous. So, of course, when it bites the Cubs in the backside, I have a problem with it. But when it uh, puts the Cubs in a position to win the game, then I'm all for it. Yes, I am a hypocrite. Like that. What what are your thoughts on the baskets, Crawley? Uh, for me, I'm like you said, both ways. But you know, I'm more of a traditionalist, so I couldn't imagine seeing Wrigley without the baskets. And every now and then, I, I visit the bleachers. I'm going to be there Saturday, and and you'll see somebody that may need the basket just in case. So liability wise, they may uh they may want to keep that sucker in there still. Another good part of that win on Tuesday was Christopher Morrell again, continuing the hot start, a walk, a triple, and he broke Contreras's record by reaching base in his first 14 major league games. 
Morell has been a great story. Another guy is uh, PJ Higgins, who had a nice two-run homer to get the Cubs back into it. And so that was exciting. Um, and then in the eighth inning, you had Patrick Wisdom pulling the collar, jumping for the Willie Harris to slap him around third with that home run off of Boxberger. And another guy we don't talk a ton about because he's been injured and because the Cubs aren't in a ton of situations where they're in need of a closer and a save. But David Robertson worked the ninth for his seventh save and nine chances. Now that's a guy that could actually bring the Cubs back something very nice. And I won't be sad to see him go because he's not going to be the next great closer on the next great Cubs ball team. If, if, if Jed and his crew get credit for anything, it should definitely be they've, they've proven they've been able to put a bullpen together. So if you remember last year, the Cubs traded a lot of bullpen pieces and got other, uh, some good pieces in return when you traded uh, Kimbrell and you traded Chafin and Tapera. So they've been able to do it with guys that, you know, maybe were flying a little bit under the radar and they've done another good job with that this year. So, yeah, he is definitely an interesting trade piece that will probably be talked about as we get into July. But, uh, you know, the other thing that was fun about that game was seeing Clint Frazier reach base four times. And uh, when we get back to that discussion about Hayward, I mean, that's that Clint Frazier do, getting on base four times is something you do like to see. Yes, more Clint Frazier, please. The other guy we saw back for the first time in a long time was Nick Madrigal back from the I.O. Yeah, Nicky two strikes doing his thing, and 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 <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully you can sit there. And the key with Magical is he's just got to stop pounding it in the ground. You know, he's a guy that doesn't have a high on base percentage, so he puts the bat on the ball. It's tough to strike that guy out. The trouble is, is when he's making contact, it's right into the dirt, and it's it's getting into an infielder's glove. And for him to be successful, he's just got to elevate it a little bit more. I don't know if you saw this stat, but we dug into this a little bit the other morning, <clears throat> excuse me, on the Mully and Haw show. Before the return of Madrigal, he, he did finally, he got a hit, but he only had three more hits than he had strikeouts. Three wow. more hits. And this is a guy that doesn't strike out. So at one point he had 17 hits and 14 Ks. And if at the end of the season, he only has three more hits than he has Ks, that trade might be worse for the Cubs than it was for the White Sox when Kimbrell went to the South side. When I, when I looked at that deal, the one guy that does interest me and, and we forget about him because he's been injured is Cody Hewer. And I, I want to see what that kid does um, before I declare a winner or loser of that trade, because he may be that closer that you're talking about for the next great Cubs team. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Very, very good point. All right. Wednesday Crowley, what happened? The Cubs, uh, Another L, or did they actually get to uh, fly the W? Fly the W with a 4-3 victory. Not only that, the first walk-off win of the season. Amazing. That, that is amazing. They were in the company of the Marlins and Nationals as the only two other teams, including the Cubs, three other teams, that had not had a walk-off win, and that was June it's it's hard to believe they've only before that they only came from behind from the eighth inning once and they haven't done it from the seventh yet so this hasn't been a team that's been uh with the dramatic victories at the end of the game so it was nice to see and and the thing about it is it, the great thing about it is the guy who drove in the winning run uh is christopher morell who's just been great he started off the scoring in the first inning he drew a walk uh wilson singled david ross pulls that puts on the double steal 
And uh, Nav- Omar Navarez, catcher for Milwaukee, had a throwing error, so that allowed uh, Morel to score, and uh, Wilson would come in on a uh, Patrick Wisdom double play ball. Uh, unfortunately, the Brewers took the lead on a Jace Peterson double. The guy had an amazing game. Uh, Mike Brousseau scores. Uh, that was reviewed, originally called out, but Wilson had, was a little high on the tag. Um, but Wilson did single the tie at the Cubs caught a break. Hayward hit a ball that Christian Yelch definitely should have caught. And he just let all in there. He's had some bad throws and some bad routes that I've seen, uh, this series and he's not hitting. So, you know, former MVP fall from grace there, but, uh, it was a single in the box score. So Hayward's on first, he ends up, uh, scoring on a Wilson Contreras single that got him to third, but Wilson boneheaded base running mistake was thrown out at third, but we'll forgive him because it tied the game up. And that's when uh, Morel had his theatrics in the 10th. Hayward was on second with that last runner making an out at second. And uh, he advances to third. And then Chris Morel comes up. And that at-bat was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. He had two strikes on him. He stepped out of the batter's box, looked over his shoulder. There he was, Wilson Contreras, giving him the take a breath, calm down, go through your procedures, do your thing. He stepped back into the batter's box, boom, hit the ball far enough into the outfield, and there we go. We got to fly the W. So that was great. Overall, two wins, two losses versus the Brewers. I'll take that all the time at this point, the way the Cubs are constructed. Splitting a series with the Brewers, that's all good news. The other good news, really quick, that I wanted to hit on was Kyle Hendricks. Nice bounce-back start after taking a loss in the two previous starts. Yeah, he, you know, he's still looking, he's not looking 100% Kyle-like, and he struggles at home, but he was able to keep, again, the Cubs in it and and do a decent job. Um, you know, I, I'm still just so impressed, though, with Christopher Morrell and, and, and the fact that he has now reached base 15 straight games to start his career. Uh, he's been stealing bases, leading off, everything's good. Um, and that's a good thing for Cub fans, but it, it's going to lead to a lot. It's going to lead to questions for Jed Hoyer um, with the outfield construction. Absolutely. Lots of questions for Jed, but that's why he gets paid the big bucks. Absolutely. And one of the guys that we get to hear on the radio sometimes on the four letter network, but is the voice of Cubs baseball on the marquee network, Boog Shambi, great guy, great voice, great baseball person. ALS is something that is near and dear to him, and we were able to talk to him about just that and baseball right here on the Fly the W podcast. Good. What's going on? Uh, just relishing a, a, a victory that we had last night, Tuesday, after dropping a couple games on Monday. Yeah, you're not kidding. It was uh, it was a fun night at the ballpark, and it's been a tough stretch at home, but that game... You know, wisdom hits that home run, and uh, I think everybody kind of exhaled. It was uh, it was great. So I was glad we were able to get a win. For me, Boog, one of the things that's tough is that Cub fans never really got to have a proper introduction with you. That usually happens at CubsCon, and obviously with everything that's gone on with the pandemic the last few years, we haven't been able to do that. So, you know, just from a Cubs fan perspective and people that are curious, as you are growing up, you, you were born in Philadelphia, grow up in New York, who are the broadcasters that you most admired and kind of made you want to get into the field? I mean, I like playing. Let me let me just say that first. My favorite thing was I, just, you know, as a little kid, I just I loved to play and I would play all day and I wanted to play as long as I can. But I loved watching and listening too. So 
Harry Callis was the voice of the Phillies, and I loved him. And you know, Vince Scully, certainly. But I would say as I started to get older and really pursue and and contemplate getting into the business, I think that, you know, I, I was, for me, I, I took in everybody that I possibly could. So, I mean, ha- Harry's voice as a kid is one that, that really, you know, resonated with me. But I would say in the overall, um, you know, I started to, to truly appreciate everybody. And look, as a kid, I would come home and, um, you know, and, and then you get a chance to, to watch, you know, the, the local teams. And then eventually with cable, et cetera, you'd get a chance to see, you know, the Braves on TBS and you'd get to watch Harry and the Cubs on GN. And that, I mean, it was baseball. So it was awesome. And then it was just this place. And I, my dad actually took me to Wrigley field when I was 12. I got to see Nolan Ryan pitch, um, for the Astros. And for me, I still remember that in my mind's eye, the picture that I saw was, I was walking down the street and there was just brick building and brick building and brick building. And then I walked into a brick building and had a baseball field. (laughs) Yeah. That first time you get to Wrigley, there's nothing like it. Now you go to Boston college, you start working on radio there, but your big break comes with the Florida Marlins and you were there from 97 to 2004. Boog, you were calling radio, correct? When, uh, I was there for all the playoff games versus the Marlins in 2003, game one, two, six, seven. I'm not going to lie to you. It took the World Series win in 2016 for those wounds to slightly start to heal. What do you remember from that crazy uh, series in 2003, the NLCS? So I, that, that was a really good Cubs team. And, I, you know, being down 3-1, I think that the Marlins had an idea that they could come back but you know when Josh Beckett pitched the complete game to make it a 3-2 series and send it back to Chicago he'd never pitched a complete game ever and then he goes and does that I would say that look the the memory that I is game six it's five outs away um, from being eliminated and down 3-1, and then that inning happens, and that's probably the thing. The one other thing that I would say, um, and I've had other Cub fans tell me this, that the loudest they've ever heard Wrigley Field, including 2016, was when Kerry Wood hit the home run in Game 7. And I can tell you, being in the press box, I felt unsafe in the press box. It was shaking so much. So game six and game seven, and there was also a part of me that wondered, how are we going to get out of here after game seven? But game six and game seven, that was that was really the, the two, two things that kind of jumped out. I, I got to tell you, like you said, I'm in the first row of the upper deck and I felt that shaking too. And I felt just as unsafe as you did, but I figured if I was going to go, that was going to be a good time. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to go. I get yeah. you. On a carry wood home run. So you go to the Braves 2007 to 2009, and then you move on to Sunday night baseball. 2021 Len Casper decides to go to the dark side. He, he signs with uh, the Chicago white Sox. Yeah. And all of a sudden this, Cubs play-by-play broadcaster opportunity opens up. Did you and Len talk about this at all prior to you signing with the Cubs? 
So uh, we did, but I, I really talked to Len more about just what he was thinking about doing. Um, and I wasn't really, he didn't really ask me, would you be interested or would you want to, you know, want that job? But yeah, we talked about it. And I was pretty focused on what I was doing at ESPN, but it was one of those, I, it's hard to explain the process. I was kind of oblivious. It When it opened, my first reaction was not to go to it. But when I sort of sat and meditated, when they reached out and then I really sat and meditated on coming and doing it, at, with every second, I said, okay, this really seems the, like the right place to be. And it's uh, it's kind of felt that way every single moment. But Len was, it was a big part of this. The more that I started to entertain it, then we really started to talk about it a lot. And it was, and we sort of laughed just because he's one of my closest friends in the world. You know, we were together in Florida and every time I ever did a Cub game nationally or with the Braves, you know, that's the person that I wanted to connect with. So it's really funny how it's worked out. It's been, uh, and I got to tell you also in working with JD, um, yeah, there our connection is really strong and got strong pretty quickly. And part of it is because of Len. It's like, that's, there, there's a, there's a piece of Len that's still in that booth to me. Um, and it sort of bonds JD and I together. I know that sounds sort of corny, but I really do feel that. No, it makes sense. You know, a friend of a friend, kind of that, that connection that's that you guys have, you know? Fun. Now, now that you've been here for a couple of years, what is it about calling a game with, with Cub fans and Wrigley Fields that maybe is different than the other places you've been in the past? It's, gosh, it's just special. What it is that 95% of pro sports, the energy, the passion is fueled by constant winning. Is the, the it's fueled during the successful periods and the you know to to sit there and do a game on a Friday afternoon and there's you know 30,000 plus to take in the Cubs and the Diamondbacks or just these little pockets where the Cubs are down it's late the Cubs are down it's late and so far you know it hasn't been an a overly successful season and then just the whole place gets up and cheers and there's just this passion there I mean I blurted it out on the air a couple of times where I just react to the crowd's reaction because you'd think you know that we're about to win the pennant and in these just little I mean think about like Crawley think about where I what you know, I watch a team that lost 90 games last year. This year's team is strong, and I've had the moments already. Like, I've had these moments where the place is just going crazy, and I just want to stop and tell everybody how <laughs> awesome it is. That Christopher Morrell home run, I think they're already up by six runs. The game's yeah, pretty much what? decided. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yes, that's it. 
And, and, and you talked about Harry Callis and a little bit about Harry Carey. I'll always, like I said, that voice of Harry always resonates in my head. And, right. and, and, you know, the crowd, like you said, get on his feet and, 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 and it may be a meaningless game. And Harry would just listen to this crowd. Yeah. And it just gave you goosebumps. Um, you got a great team with you in the Marquee Network. And, and, and I wanted to ask you, you talked a little bit about JD, but I kind of wanted to ask what each one of them brings to the table. So when you think, when you're sitting next to JD, what does he bring to the team that you enjoy working with? JD is curious. He's smart. He really likes the game. And beyond that, the sense of humor is magnificent. So one of the things I really appreciate is I have some nerd in me. I would say, relatively speaking, I got down with, you know, the sabermetric revolution probably before the vast majority of broadcasters. JD's interested. He's interested in the new information. And he's always willing to change his mind. So I, I can honestly say every night I'm interested in what does JD think? What what's what's he thinking? And then the playfulness that he has is second to none. And yeah, it's 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 just a pleasure. There's a there's a real curiosity and connection, and then yeah, he's he JD's good energy too is the other thing. Every day I go into that booth, I feel you know lucky that I'm sitting there partnering with a guy that just is enjoying life. JD is exactly the way you think he is. He's he's that just sort of calm, peaceful, fun, all of it. Now you talk about energy. Talk to me about Taylor McGregor, T Mac. Yeah, she she's a giant smile, right? I mean, that's the first thing is just she has. The greatest laugh I have ever heard in my life. Um, she's young and learning every day. And she has a hunger to find stories and things to make the broadcast interesting. And she's super playful. Um, yeah, she just, she's a bundle of positive energy. So I, I, between the there are you know there are times when she just her interaction is just so valuable to our group because it's delivering hey we're happy to be here one guy that you guys have on the broadcast that that I really like is is Doug Glanville yeah i mean talk to me about Doug i mean that guy is so introspective it's just unbelievable and it's neat for me for Doug I, just from my is that my perspective is Doug grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey. We had a mutual friend. So when I first started broadcasting games, I went up to him and introduced myself to him. And he was always super kind. And over the years, we would interact. And then eventually we started to work together. You know, I think we worked three years doing games together on ESPN. Now he's actually, again, my partner on the radio on Sunday nights, but in fitting in on, on the TV side as, as another voice, he and JD, I mean, there have been moments already this year where I just love throwing it to the two of them. And then JD and Doug are just ping ponging it back and forth. Look, Dougie is smart and thoughtful. I also, again, would say it 
baseball 2022 you want to be grumpy and do get off my lawn and i don't like that new stuff it's fine but you know i just think interesting's interesting and doug is always on the lookout for what is interesting and understands the way teams are are devising these rosters the in-game adjustments that they're making um and he's just got a really good way about how he delivers all of the stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's he's a favorite of mine and has been for a long time. I'm going to try not – I mean, one of my favorite guys of all time, Ryan Dempster. <laughs> yes, and the other thing with Demp that's fun for me in terms of the connection there is that, you know, I, I got to meet 21-year-old Ryan Dempster when he was on the 98 Marlins. So we go back a long way and, and stayed connected over the years. So, to, you know, again – working in each case whether it's jd or dougie or taylor or ryan i'm working with my friends you know what i mean and that part is and and demp is everything that you could you know that you expect he is i mean he will make you belly laugh and he's thoughtful and passionate about the game and you know, loves to do his, you know, wacky stuff. And he's a joy to be around. One last one, a joy to be around. Mr. Rick Sutcliffe, my idol when I was a kid, uh, the Red Baron. What's it like to be in a booth with Sut? Yeah, so again, I'm grateful because we worked together for so long at ESPN. I think we did seven years, eight years together. And we just had such a fun time just sort of, you know, go like, so basically it was me and Sut for that whole stretch. And for half the time, Doug Lanville was a third voice. And the other half of the time was David Ross. <laughs> so it was just so much fun. And, and Sut again, another, you know, playful. The, I'll tell you the biggest thing with Sut is he never bails. 15 to one, four and a half hour game. He's grinding. He's looking for stuff on the field. He's looking for things to talk about. He, I, I don't think he gets enough credit as a broadcaster throughout his career for the work that he's put into it. But, you know, I, I like to tease him too because he knows so many people and, you know, he's an icon as it relates to, you know, former Cubs that, that are present in this town. And I sometimes will just turn to him and say, you've had a really good life, buddy. You know, and, and when you talk, you kind of mentioned it earlier. There are some broadcasts where it seems like the broadcasters don't even like the game of baseball. You say, what are you doing? And, and, and I think when I listen to Sut, I, it reminds me a lot of Harry, just the joy of being at the ballpark. No question. Sut, Rick Sutcliffe is always having a good day. Make no mistake. <laughs> Talking about a good day, uh, tomorrow's going to be a very special day. Uh, you started uh, Project Main Street, uh, Main Street in uh, 2006, the foundation, um, to help raise money for ALS. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in New York City after moving from Philadelphia, and I moved to this little area. It's right in the middle of, right in the middle of the city called Roosevelt Island, uh, and I there was a group of kids that I hung out with. And one of my friends is a kid named Tim Sheehy and all of us, we all stayed close and stayed friendly. So still to this day, you know, some of my 
closest friends or guys I've known for 40 some odd years. And Tim was one of those guys. He was diagnosed with ALS in 2005. Tim and Katie were having trouble with the financial issues associated with the disease. Average out-of-pocket cost for ALS is about $250,000, which is incredible. So Tim had played soccer at the University of South Carolina, and he had played there with one of the guys from Hootie and the Blowfish. So we had Hootie and the Blowfish play our first event. We filed as a 501c3. We took half the money, gave it to Tim and Katie, and the other half we started our 501c3. He determined our charter. Project Main Street is the name of our charity because the one street on Roosevelt Island is Main Street. And so while 90% of all money raised for ALS is for research, you know, we try to occupy this tiny little space because people need help. Um, There are just so many people that need financial help because of this disease. And, And right now, you know, there's still no cure, which is incredible. I mean, look, Lou Gehrig got this disease and I think tomorrow would be the he you know it's 81 years since he died and if he got ALS today he he probably would have the exact same diagnosis or prognosis and that's pretty sad so you know and then the one other point that I always make is I just want to spread awareness I'd like to raise money for research you know I want to help people through Project Main Street because Every dollar in goes out to somebody, but you just want to make people aware. I think a lot of people aren't aware. I mean, look, Lou Gehrig's number four was the first number retired in the history of professional sports. The reason that numbers are retired in professional sports effectively is because Lou Gehrig got ALS. So if you want to know why, you know, the 31 is hanging up on, you know, the foul pole, et cetera, it's partially because of Lou Gehrig. So um, it's personal for me. I miss Tim. And, um, you know, you're just, I'm just trying. You. The other thing is trying to get as many patients and people out to make them feel seen and heard and connected. That's one of the big things. Well, baseball is now tomorrow having its second annual Lou Gehrig Day. And Chicago, the Cubs are going all out for this. This, this is going to be a lot of fun. And if people don't have tickets to the game, I would recommend highly to try to get out there. There's a lot going on. Uh, you have a uh, 50-50 charity with a uh, 50-50 raffle through Cubs Charity. Uh, $20,000 guaranteed jackpot. So 10000 would minimum 10000 goes to you. And then the other half would go to uh, ALS charities. Uh, Obvious T-shirts. Our friend Joe from Obvious. Uh, he, and I saw on your Twitter all sorts of different color ALS shirts that, are, that players are wearing. That's amazing. Yeah, we got, they did some, I, so I worked with Joe. He's amazing how he turned these around, but basically came up with shirts that say end ALS for Lou, the number for Lou. And we did them in team colors. So, you know, if you're a Tigers fan, it's a dark blue base shirt with an orange end ALS and, and for Lou is in white for every team. So you know, with the Cubs, it's red with a blue base shirt. Um, and I passed them out, and I, it was just amazing. You know, Dave Roberts and 
obviously all the Cubs guys, but, you know, Dave Roberts and Joe Girardi and Mark Kotze and Craig Council and Tony La Russa and Joe Madden, um, Terry Francona, Bob Melvin, all these guys wearing the shirts and, and just helping to spread some awareness just because I still think we're at this space, you know, the ice bucket challenge was, I don't know what, six, seven years ago. And I still think we're in a place where a lot of people don't know about ALS. Um, so we have two special people throwing out the first pitch. The first one is uh, I am a ALS uh, co-founder, Brian Wallach, who's from the Chicagoland area. Yeah. And then you have uh, Steve Gleason uh, and, and Steve has done just so much work. So that's going to be awesome to have them throwing out the first pitch and saying play ball. Yeah, no question. Steve is a buddy of mine. We uh, partnered with team Gleason project main street has a number of times I've known Steve a while now he's been an amazing warrior and advocate and their charity does great work. And then Brian, you know, he worked in the Obama administration. He and uh, his wife, Sandra and their family will be out there. And Brian through IMALS done a lot of work in advocating and pushing, you know, look, we can raise independent money, but one of the things that their specialty is, is advocating, you know, in the political space in order to get, you know, big federal money pushed in the direction of, you know, funding for finding a cure. Cause there is no cure. There aren't even, you know, one of the things that people may not know about ALS, there aren't even biomarkers for ALS. So what that means is there's no diagnosis. There's no test that says you have this. They just rule things out until you're left with, ah, so it must be ALS. But there is no, you definitely, you know, it's like, a, you know, a COVID test or a pregnancy test where it's like, yes, you definitely have this. No, they rule things out. So it's, yeah, they, it, it, they need, you know, money for funding. And um, yeah, I'll be really happy to see both those guys and give them a big hug. Now the raffle, like I said, the 50-50 raffle with 20,000 guaranteed jackpot, that's going to go to five different charities. I am ALS, Project Main Street, Team Gleason, the ALS Association, Greater Chicago Chapter, and the Les Turner ALS Foundation. And you don't even have to be at the game to get tickets. You can go online, to Cub, go to cubs.com, and you can look under Cubs Charities, and you can buy a 50-50 raffle ticket if you're in Illinois. Yeah, so that's- and we'll get to, we'll push it on the broadcast, obviously, and um, there's going to be a, a cool auction for the upcoming week as well. And we'll be promoting that. So, and a lot of your teammates are going to be volunteering for the dunk tank for oh a marquee. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I, I kind of on the air, I, you know, I knew Demp was doing it, but I, you know, Taylor's going to be out there. I kind of teased her. She immediately was like, well, why, when are you going to be out there? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm very busy. I don't know. About <laughs> but, uh, no, we're, I'm grateful to people at Sloan for doing that. So I, uh, it's going to be a cool day. You know, I just, Oh, the disease is hard. It's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's not easy sometimes, but you're just, you're trying to make it a day. It's a day where I get to think of Tim and, and think of the, you know, the work you do helping people. You know, I, I can tell you from a personal standpoint, you and I have talked about this before. I have a friend who has ALS and, and, and it is, it's just a, such a difficult disease and watching the progression of it. And 
on behalf of, of everybody that's had someone they love suffer from the disease, I want to thank you for everything that you've done to raise awareness, to raise money. And, and, and hopefully one day we're going to beat this thing. I hope so. Um, and I got to get over to, uh, to see you guys um, and, uh, and come hang with you. Absolutely. Club 400 is absolutely waiting to see you. And I appreciate you jumping on the Fly the W podcast. Uh, thank you for your time, John Bukshiambi. My pleasure. All right. You're listening to the Fly the W podcast. It is season one. It is episode three. And we are calling this one Rivalry Week. And Crawley, for my money, there is no bigger rival for the Chicago Cubs than the St. Louis Cardinals. They are in town five games four days over on social media. I saw the great sign outside of Murphy's bleachers. It said Cubs baseball is not boring, but St. Louis is still boring. Yep. But I will tell you one thing, Cubs Cardinals is never boring. It's one of those series that no matter what the record is for each team, you just throw it out and, and watch the fireworks fly. You know, you got all those people coming up from I-55 uh, ready for a rumble, ready for a showdown in Wrigley. The weather's going to be looking really nice, so this ought to be an interesting weekend. Absolutely. It's great for business. Businesses will be packed. Hotels will be packed. Restaurants will be packed. The Cardinals fans do get up here. It's good for those that are looking to sell tickets on the secondary market, and the weather looks like it's going to be pretty solid, not hot, so it'll be good times at Wrigley for sure. Now the question is, how many, how many of the five – Will you be okay with, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, hopefully you're listening, hopefully you're subscribing, hopefully you're following us on social media. My big thing when they played the White Sox was just don't get swept. And the Cubs did not get swept by the White Sox. They won the game Saturday night over at 35th and Shields. They should have won the game on Sunday at 35th and Shields, but that did not happen. So Crawley, how many games do the Cubs need to win for it not to be a terrible weekend for you? I want to see, I'm, I'm going to get a little greedy here. I want to see them win three games. Uh, I know it's going to be tough. I mean, if you look at the standings right now, Milwaukee's up 10 games on the Cubs and the Cubs trail the Cardinals by eight. But like I said, throw that out, see what happens. And, and, and I, with, with these double headers, it becomes interesting. And then again, we take a look at Caleb Killian watch 2022. Is this, you know, with that double header, is this kid going to come up and are we going to get a chance to see him? Yeah, I wonder if this is the time to actually get to see him. So you figure Saturday you're going to get a split, right? Saturday you're going to get a split. Um, I take three. That'd be great, Crowley. If, if they win two, I'll stomach it. I, it. That would be okay. This team is not built and not thought of as a team that is going to win the division. But I, I like the idea that Marcus Stroman is going to be part of this series. So you want to see how Marcus Stroman does against this group. What other guys are you looking forward to as far as who's in, who's out, who are you looking forward to? Everything is not concrete right now. It's 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 more pencil than in pen, but who else are you looking forward to seeing play in this series? Well, you know, the first game is going to be Keegan Thompson versus Matt Libertor and the Cubs really haven't seen Matt Libertor at all, none of them. But Keegan Thompson, we talked on the episode two of the podcast that uh, what does this guy have to do to be named a starter? Because he has just been dominant right now. He's 5-0 and with a 158 ERA with 35 strikeouts. But this uh, basically Tommy Hadovy said to Megan Montemaro in an interview with the Chicago Tribune, 
yeah, he's, he's in the rotation, you know? And so that it is what it is, you know, it's there, it's not ideally what they planned, but injuries have kind of forced their hand. So I'm kind of excited to see what Keegan does. There's not the, the Cardinals haven't doesn't don't have a lot of hits against him. Um, Paul Goldschmidt's two for five, but that's a small sample size, but uh, you know, Goldschmidt always Paul Goldschmidt's to like two the clubs. Right? I mean, he's so, he's so good. That guy, that guy is just, that guy's just fantastic. Yeah. We had, um, we had Tommy on with Mully and Haw today. He joins us every other Thursday. And he said, you know, what they're looking for is they're looking for Keegan to keep getting guys out in the third inning, keep getting guys out in the fourth inning, and then possibly getting guys out in the fifth inning. Okay, so that's great. Stroman is going to go on Friday. Saturday's the doubleheader. We got Swarmer going. And then Sunday, Justin Steele, who we want to see bounce back and have another good outing. So I like the idea of having Justin Steele on that big stage, under the lights, four-letter network. Let's see what he can do in that situation. Yeah, Stroman, Stroman is the one I really am very curious to kind of watch really quick here just because – uh, you know, he had such a good start against the White Sox, went seven innings and gave up zero runs. So um, I'm very curious to see what Stroman can do uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, so that's going to be, he's going to be, it's a good matchup. It's uh, Mike Mikolas and, uh, and uh, Stroman and Stroman, you know, again, Paul Goldschmidt, you know, he's only had eight appearances against them, but four for eight, you know, it's, it's, that guy is just unbelievable. And then uh, Nolan Arenado is, has had a pretty good season so far. Um, the one thing I will say is, for those of you that play Beat the Streak, I know our friend Matt Spiegel doing the podcast with Odyssey on that. Uh, Corey Dickerson in 37 at bats, so not a small sample size, hitting 432 against Stroman. So uh, just see what happens with that one. Well, hopefully that does not continue. Real quick on Stroman, so he had a really nice performance against the Sox. If he can come, if he can come back to back with a great performance against the Sox and then a really good or great performance against the Cardinals who I can't stand. That will be his, he's a part of the Cubs moment for me. That will be, he's officially a Cub. Take trying, did everything he could to take care of the White Sox and now do everything you can to take care of the Cardinals. He will have made his Cubs moment, if you will, for me as a new guy on the roster. I got to tell you, Dustin, is that I am shocked that, Adam Wainwright is still doing Adam Wainwright things. When I saw the plan that the Cardinals were putting together to reunite the band of Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina, and Albert Pujols, uh, that was just mind-blowing to me. I mean, you talk about three guys that need to take some Prevagen uh, with some mental loss because of age. I mean, but he's still, Adam Wainwright's still doing it. Five and four, 275 ERA with 48 Ks. I mean, that's, you know, boy, oh boy, it's... And it makes me nervous because one of the things, you know, a lot of the Cubs have seen him that have been on the team, but we also have a lot of new guys that don't have any at-bats against him. And he's one of those tricky veteran pitchers that can make life difficult. Uh, Wilson Contreras is only hitting 174 against him. So that may be a really good day to give Wilson an off day. Had you ever heard of Prevagen before the marquee network crawling? Never heard of Prevagen, but maybe one day I'm going to need it. But uh, in, in, in the advertising works because my mom has now even referenced Prev, Prevagen. So yeah, I mean, it, it works. They, they, they have kept, they have not cut the cord so that they can at least watch the Cubs on television. I always say, listen, if you're ready to cut the cord and can't find the marquee network anywhere else, you can always listen to them on 670 to score. And for the most part, that's free. 
And you get to hear the, the I'm going to say soon to be Hall of Famer, Pat Hughes, because they better not screw him twice. But I mean, Pat and Ron are just so on their game this season. It, it's, I, I feel like that chemistry is just so good right now. It's, it's fun to listen to. I got a yeah, question it's a great, for it's you. It's a great listen. It's a great listen. And when Zach's in there with them too, and Zach has to take over for Ron when he ends up over on t- TV, it's, it's fantastic. I do have a question. You know, I, I was talking to some younger coworkers of mine and they seem to have more hatred for the Brewers than they do the Cardinals. They see that as a bigger rivalry. Can, is that hard for you to kind of imagine or have you heard of the same thing or no? I get why. I get why. I think the, the proximity, you know, Wrigley North, if you will, I think everybody listening to this podcast has been to Miller Park and it's now some family insurance or whatever, but I'll always refer to it as Miller Park or that baseball stadium north of the Cheddar Curtain. I I get that. And the Brewers have been a pain in the Cubs' rear end for, for quite a while. But you and I are a little bit older than your coworkers, so I've had much more disappointment and hatred and memories of the Cardinals, who have always been part of the National League, who have always been a rival of the Cubs. Remember, some of you out there listening might not even realize this. The Brewers were once an American League team. They weren't always a National League team. So it wasn't like the Cubs and Brewers have this super long history like the Cubs and Cardinals do. I'm no fan of the Brewers, but I dislike the Cardinals way, 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 way more. I will tell you what I am looking forward to this weekend, and that's booing Albert Pujols. I want the Cardinals to play Albert Pujols when I'm there on Saturday. I haven't bought tickets yet. I have a friend who has tickets for me. I'm going to be in the bleachers on Saturday. And so I, I, I'm, I'm waiting to see who the starter is before I choose if I'm going day or night. I'm going with the missus and she can't do 18 innings of baseball. So we're going to do nine and hang out with a friend the rest of the time. But I would like to see Albert Pujols strike out one more time so I could boo him with all my lung capacity for all the nightmares he's given me over the years. Well, do that for me as well when you're out there at Wrigley. Um, Unfortunately, I cannot be out there this weekend, but I hope everybody listening has had a chance to get out to Wrigley. It is still a great place to watch baseball, even if they are not flying the W as much as we would like at the present moment. But, hey, they got two wins against the Brewers, and we're hoping for at least two more. Crawley might be getting a little greedy. He is going for three. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 3 of The Fly the W podcast. Fly the W!